Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Welcome to this week's episode of Pursuit of the Paranormal. Thanks for joining us again. How are you doing today, Greg? Yeah, I'm doing really well, Ash. How have you been this week? All right? Not too bad. Just uh, catching up with plenty of news that's uh, been happening this week. Yeah, there's been plenty to uh, tickle our scientific taste buds, as it were. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, what, what's been happening this week then? That's caught your eye. Uh, well, the, the scientists that they found some odd life down deep in Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, life that, uh, where they say it shouldn't have been there. It's didn't expect to find this life down there. Yeah, this is um, underneath Antarctic ice shelf. Um, I, I've seen that as well myself this week. Um, and I think it it goes to show, like we've talked about previously, that life appears to find a way, even in the ho- inhospitable circumstances, um, which, if we can find it under ice shelves here, There's certain theories that there is life on the moons of Jupiter, um, on Europa, underneath the ice caps, uh, under the ice shelf in Europa, which is quite an inhospitable and barren uh, moon. Yeah, but like like you say, life finds a way. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're living proof of that. The things that the scientists are finding, like new different types of life all over the planet and this week in the in the, the deeps of Antarctica. And that brings us to the other big news this week that we suppose we kind of have to mention was Percy touching down on, a, on Mars a couple of days ago. That's right. That's the, uh, <clears throat> the NASA uh, probe or lunar module uh, Perseverance. Um, I think that was on Thursday, so Thursday or Friday. Yeah, Thursday evening. Yeah, and it's got one of the the most distant selfies as well. Now um, they took a photo from the um, from the the parachute on the way down, of looking down at the module as it's just about to land on the the surface. So that's quite cool. And that, <clears throat> I did see that it it dropped from something like twelve thousand miles an hour to two miles an hour before it hit the ground. Which is That's no crazy. mean feat when you're uh, you've spent like five or six months traveling through space uh, on some random trajectory that somebody in a laboratory on Earth has, has pinged out to space. It's pretty impressive it's, it's stuff. Inc- it's incredible. Yeah, it is, and they've sent back pictures already um, from the sort of the landing camera, um, and they're they're expecting to get 4K footage of the Mars surface, so that's great. And I, I think they were talking about drones going up as well, Ash. Yeah, there's, there's, um, he's not alone. He's got a companion within this high on Mars, uh, a little quadcopter drone type thing that can actually fly. It's the first time there's been a flying 
aircraft on Mars. That well, that's human anyway. Mm-hmm. Got to be all sorts of other types <laughs> of craft on Mars, but <clears throat> human-wise, it's the first time we've had a flying craft and that yeah. can that can fly for about ninety seconds at a time. I mean, can travel around ninety-five meters at a time, just like basically jumping from spot to spot, taking pictures, and hopefully we get some video soon as well. Yeah, there's actually been a fake video. It's not a fake video, but there's a video going around the last couple of days. It's like quite a few million views. Where it's uh, basically saying, "Listen to the sounds on Mars." Seen that? But it's uh, that's from uh, that's from Curiosity. That video. Okay. It was uh, actually just a pan panoramic image, mm-hmm. and they've added the sounds to it, and then said it's like saying it's from Percy, but it's not. That's uh, an old video just to get likes and and shares. But hopefully, we, we will get videos soon and, and sounds. That, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think though that's the that's the problem with any footage that comes out from anywhere. It's is it going to be real footage? Is it going to be faked? Um, I know NASA have had uh, been caught out a couple of times where they've been photoshopping photographs and making composite images of stuff that they've seen on the moon yeah. and such like. So, <clears throat> and people have spotted the fact that there's sort of artifacts been blurred out or removed whether that just be an anomaly on the photograph just to make it look good but so are we are we going to get the true film on what's on mars because the acronym of nasa for some conspiracy theorists is never a straight answer so (laughs) we'll see hopefully so because it i think the future of the human race uh if you listen to Elon Musk and other prominent scientists, for example, is that we need, to get, few, we need to get off of Earth, yeah. yeah. Um, and we need to become multi-planetary. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see uh, how this all develops. Um, <clears throat> and talking about craft up in space and, and that, that kind of story uh, leads us to sort of the last main sort of news-worthy item for this week is that Nicaragua is opening a ministry for extraterrestrial space affairs, the moon, and other celestial bodies. So a bill to establish the agency passed through the National Assembly uh, with little trouble this week, uh, received approval from 76 members of the chamber, um, and the president... Uh, President Ortega's party holds 71 and the 92 seats in Congress. So basically, they don't have a space program, but they're going to oversee the ministry. Uh, This is the army. Um, And they're going to promote the development of space activities with the aim of broadening the country's capacities in the fields of education, industry, science and technology. Quite what that means, I don't know. Um, The fact that they haven't actually got a space program is another strange one, and they developed the Ministry for Extraterrestrial Space Affairs. Uh, what's your take on that? Ash? Yeah, the, the name of it, as well as being a mouthful, it's the wording is pretty interesting. Whether it's a the way it's translated, possibly it could mean something differently if you read it in uh, Spanish. I'm not sure what the main language of that country is, but the, it's the Ministry for Extraterrestrial Space Affairs. Obviously, extraterrestrial just means not Earth. So, mm-hmm. 
anything sort of space can be classed as extraterrestrial. But when you think of extraterrestrial, you think of ET, you think of actual beings, yeah, not just it not being terrestrial, basically. So the wording's interesting. Like you say, yeah. we definitely got a space force. The country itself's got quite a few issues with, with its it's it's quite a poor country. The yeah, they've been struggling with the with the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. They have the economies not a good place and so people like questioning why they're doing this when they've got other things they should be focusing on. I'm sure the people of uh, the country aren't going to be too happy with the money or whatever that's going to be spent no. on this. <clears throat> I think they should be spending more more money on their own people than than outer space, I suppose. That's what they'll be arguing. Like you say, they've got issues with coronavirus. They haven't got a single vaccine over there yet either. So um yeah, you have to. It'd be interesting again see how this pans out. A bit like the Mars stuff is. There's one. You can think of it one way, and then as it pans out, you go oh, actually. That isn't quite as out there as it seems. Like extraterrestrial, like you just mentioned, the first thing you think about is aliens. Um, I mean, maybe they know something, and that's <clears throat> why they're yeah. doing it. And they, yeah, Central America, and that is like quite a few uh, interesting events and. And obviously not far from America and they've got their space force and stuff like this, so they could know something. And that's why they're setting up this force, this ministry now. In because they, they do know something. Yeah. So one for us to keep an eye on over the coming weeks and months, I think. It's definitely interesting. A bit more closer to home news, we've just launched our website. So make sure you go check out Pursuit of the Paranormal.co.uk. UK. So you can find information on all our guests and all the different topics we discuss. And we have a mailing list, so make sure you sign up and you'll receive weekly emails with latest news, latest podcasts, and some interesting giveaways from time to time. And we promise not to spam you. Definitely. Um, (laughs) So what we will do now is we'd just like to thank everybody that's been sending in their accounts of their experiences that's have happened to them either recently or in the past we've been fortunate enough that a lot of people have been contacting us and for the rest of this part of the episode we're going to hand over to you guys where you can recount all the experiences that you've had in your own words and if you've got an account that you would like to share with us that you haven't done already feel free to contact us on all the social media platforms drop us an email at podcast at pursuitoftheparanormal.co.uk contact us through the podcast on anchor there is a link where you can leave a one minute voicemail if you'd like to um, if that's easier for you otherwise drop us a message and just let us know what's been happening to you over to you now hi i'm natalie and i'm going to tell you a little bit about my paranormal experiences my first paranormal experience Um, was really more of a a type of strange deja vu that I remember when I was at school, probably around the age of 13 or 14. And I had this awful premonition that an accident was about to happen and I could see a person falling. I turned round and uh, saw an actual person falling and one of our school caretakers had fallen off about 50 foot off the top of a roof, um, Thankfully, he was okay. Um, But that was the first time I sort of thought, that's a bit odd. Why did that happen to me? 
And then some years later, um, I became a nurse um, and I worked um, as a manager of a care home and started to experience quite significant um, paranormal activity at the particular care home that I worked at. Various types of paranormal activity from simple poltergeist activity and playfulness right through to things that were a bit more dark and demonic. I had patients that would call me down to their rooms to say, why have I got the night staff's children running up and down the corridors? Things like that. I saw a couple of actual apparitions that floated down the corridor towards me. One had sort of a hooded cloak on and the other one was dressed in what I could describe as 1920s type costume. Um, but she didn't have any face and that that was quite a scary one. Um, but things escalated in this home um, and it became so bad with paranormal activity in it that we actually ha ended up having to get the Catholic Church involved and to come in and exercise the building. Um, so uh, a lady came in from the church. Uh, we didn't tell her anything about the building or any of the activity that had been going on. And she was able to pinpoint exactly where the issues were. And she felt that at some time or other, um, somebody had actually used a Ouija board within the building and opened up some sort of portal that let things come in and out. So she went around and she blessed um, the home and tried to encourage the spirits to leave. Um, we did manage to get rid of most of the activity, apart from a little bit of the playfulness that was left afterwards. But it certainly wasn't anything as, as bad as it was before. And one of my um, patient's relatives came up to me and said, did I realise why this paranormal activity was happening? Um, I didn't even know she knew anything about this because we kept it kind of a secret. Uh, didn't want to worry anyone with it. And she said that I'm the link to the paranormal activity and that I have some sort of connection um, and some sort of ability to communicate with the other side. And that's really how I started in my sort of paranormal experiences. Since then, I've, I've obviously had multiple paranormal experiences here, there and everywhere. Um, one particular one that is quite interesting was with my sceptic husband, who doesn't believe in anything like this. I uh, managed to pers persuade him to do um, a ghost hunt at uh, a big old stately home. It was about 20 of us on the ghost hunt. And I had another one of these premonitions about 24 hours before we went on the ghost hunt. Um, and I tried to explain to him the, the vision that I saw of this particular lady dressed in a very distinctive hat um, and sort of Edwardian type clothing. And the only way I could actually describe it properly was to draw it for him. So I drew a picture of it and he just laughed and said, what a load of nonsense. So we went on the ghost experience and um, it was a very interesting night, a lot of activity, but we never saw anybody dressed remotely like um, the lady that I'd sketched. So, of course, he ridiculed me a bit more and said, you know, this is a load of nonsense. And then a couple of weeks later, we were driving home um, from his mum and dad's house and we were just pulling up to a set of traffic lights uh, by a petrol station. And both of us saw a lady exactly the same, that in the same dress, with the same hat, 
that I had drawn those couple of weeks before standing on the side of the road um, it, it, totally in a place where you wouldn't expect to see somebody dressed like that in the middle of a, you know, a city centre. And he, looked, he stopped the car and looked at me and said, did you see that? And I said, yes, that's the lady that I'd been seeing and the one that I drew. And he looked at me and he said, it is. I, I, I can't believe that's just happened. And she, dis- she disappeared as soon as we'd seen her. Um, so I think from that moment, he believed me a little bit more um, about my sort of ability to pick up on things paranormal. Um, I owned a coffee shop um, previously, um, and that was very, very haunted with a number of spirits in there. Um, playful spirits, I would say, that moved things around. Nothing that I was unduly concerned about or anything like that. Um, apart from one day when I was sat waiting in the shop um, and it was raining outside and I just had this horrible feeling that something awful was in the shop with me. And it was the one and only time in the few years I had the shop that that ever happened. I just had this overwhelming urge that I had to get out because something was uh, trying to get me. So I went and stood in the rain um, and waited um, to be picked up from the shop. And the person picking me up said, what on earth are you doing standing out in the rain? And I explained that I had a horrible feeling. Um, but what I would say to everybody is, listen to your feelings and your instinct, because it's normally right. And from when I started with these feelings when I was in school, I didn't quite know what they were and kind of brushed them to one side. But Knowing what I know now and having seen the things I've seen, um, I think people who are susceptible to being able to interpret paranormal things should really embrace them as much as possible. And that's my paranormal experience. Hi, Greg and Ash. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Um, My name's Paul. Um, I'm getting in touch really to reach out to people who may have uh, seen what I've seen on the night in question. Uh, so my story is set uh, July 1997 at the Great Green Gathering Festival in, I think it was Warminster in Somerset. Um, I don't remember the time, but it must have been quite late because the sun had gone down, it was very dark. Um, I was just stood taking in all the sounds and smells of the festival and looking out towards the distance. Uh, you could just make out the, um, the hills silhouetted uh, on the horizon. Um, somebody walked past me and said, hey, hey man, check that out. And just looked and there was uh, two uh, orbs, I guess you can describe them, just above the silhouetted hill line. At first I thought there were maybe stars or planes, um, but then realized they weren't moving for a start and then one of these lights faded out and then two faded in and this would carry on and carry on and carry on um two had fade out four had fade in three had fade out one had fade in and it just on it went in just no sort of discernible pattern um i could hear a group of people maybe 100 yards from me cheering every time these lights would appear and disappear so i know i weren't uh, on my own seeing this um this went on for maybe half an hour just i was just stood watching this in amazement um eventually it started to get cold um and i thought i'd better 
take shelter. We had a little uh, caravan with us, so I sat in the caravan and looked out the window, just watching um, these lights turn on and off and what have you. And after about maybe a, an hour of this happening, I uh, noticed that what they were doing, they'd sort of, one had fade in, so there's just, there'd be nothing in the sky, then one light would fade in, and then like a 45 degree angle down to the right, another one had fade in as the first one faded out. And then as that the second one would start to fade out, another light, 45 degree angle up to the right, would start to fade in. So they were effectively zigzagging. And this was zigzagging right across the sky to the point where you could just completely predict where the next one was going to fade in and fade out. Um, very, very strange. Uh, to this day, I've no idea what we're looking at. People I've spoken to have said, oh, yeah, well, there's a lot of military air bases in the area, which is true. I mean, it's near Salisbury and what have you, but still, this didn't look like any sort of conventional aircraft that I've ever encountered. Um, for the record, it's worth mentioning uh, I am a believer in UFOs. Um, I do believe this we have been visited and may be visited for a long, long time, many years. Um, it's also it's not the first time I've seen uh, unusual things in the sky. This time, admittedly, was quite a display. Um, if things I've seen in the past is just usually a, a single light, either stationary or slightly tracking across the sky. But yeah, like I say, this time this was a full-on uh, display taking up the whole horizon. Um, do I believe these were UFOs? Um, they were certainly unidentified. Um, uh, yeah, um, I think it was an encounter of some sort. I'd, I'd just, you know, and the reason I'm sending this uh, to Greg and Ash is like, to put it out there to see if anybody else happened to be at that festival and saw this, or in fact have seen this sort of thing before. Um, if you have and you want to make contact, um, please get in contact with Greg and Ash and they will pass your details on to me and yeah. Peace out, guys. Hello, my name is Steve Harris. I have been a stand-up comedian on the comedy circuit for the last 23 years, spending most of my time on motorways late at night. Um, one particular evening um, was about 10 years ago, roughly, around this time, around August, about 11.30 at night, my wife and I, we were driving um, homeward uh, towards Warrington on the M6 and we got to just around this Stafford area and we noticed an object um, that was quite high up in the sky and it was zipping from east to west um, at least 50 miles in a second it was and it was you could see it accelerating going across then across and it was an oblong object like um, a box shaped, rectangular box shaped, um, and it had like a a pole coming up from the back end of it with a glowing orb on top of that. Very odd, not not a description of a UFO that I've ever heard before. But we watched this, and uh, we seen it bobbing about, and we're like, "There's nothing that we know that can cover that distance in that speed of time." And it just like looked look like somebody was joyriding in the air. Uh, so we drove on, we thought nothing of it, and then the next night we was coming back from. Um, a, uh, another show, another gig um, roughly about the same time again on the M6 and this time now we're quite we're looking, we get to the same area and now we're looking and it was a really 
clear summer's night, it's very still. And then just suddenly from the left, just about, probably about 30 foot above the trees, which is quite low. So you can imagine it was about 50 foot. I probably could have hit it with a catapult or something. And, um, and it was a huge black triangular craft with an orb under each apex of the triangle. Very dull, glowy type of thing. It wasn't bright. It didn't hurt your eyes or anything. And it came over the car at probably, I guess, 20 miles an hour. Nothing faster than that. It literally just slowly went across the car and it didn't make a sound, nothing. And it everything around went really quiet. It was really eerie. And we both just watched it just drift off into the distance over the fields to the to the right hand side of me, which was uh, west, I think, not east. God knows, I know I'm upside down now, but we just watched it go down. And I turned to my wife and said, "Are you? Can you see? Are you seeing this?" And she said, "Yep, yep, I can see it. I can see it." And uh, we just watched it go away into the distance. And we never really talked about it that much. But then about two days later, I made a. Um, uh, I rang the police and uh, told the police about it to try and get an incident number because then they would have to investigate or at least there would be an incident number to record it. And uh, a, a while later, a couple of years later, I, I rang and he, the um, inquiry and the, 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 um, the police records that showed no record of me making a, um, a statement on it and I clearly remember doing it so then again about now my wife's witnessed both of these she saw the first one now if anybody's wondering what the first craft is if you've seen um, People of Earth the TV show the very funny sitcom um, about the UFO abduction group that ship that the aliens travel to and from Earth on is exactly the one that I saw um, um that on that night so somebody who's wrote that show knows something because i would never have put that as a ufo but it's some kind of carrier craft from what i can gather so about a month later um it's starting to get colder now and i'm this time i'm on the m62 it's about 11 o'clock at night it's dark but it's very clear because it's cold and it was a full moon a really huge big beautiful full moon not a cloud in the sky you could see all the markings on the moon it was glorious so i was watching the moon and then and just noticed that halfway between the moon and the horizon of the earth there was another moon but a, a half the size of what the moon was it was a moon and i'm thinking what i'm thinking what the bloody hell is that and then suddenly as i'm watching i sort of slow right slow right down uh, on the motorway, it's, it's empty. This motorway, there's nobody about, and it sh it suddenly sort of pulsated and then shrank to about a tenth of its size, and then went really, really low, hovered right down over the town of Halifax. I presume was Halifax, to pretty much over the top of a building. If you've ever seen the Dome of the Rock video, uh, it was very similar to that one. Very similar. And then it, it, as it hung there, 
it was a, just a couple of seconds and it flashed again, it pulsated again, rose back to where it was originally and then swelled to the original size that it was. And I was at this point, I'm thinking, what am I seeing? I mean, is it a UFO? It's not, it's not a classic UFO. There's something really odd. It wasn't um, a helicopter. It wasn't a balloon. Um, because if that was a spotlight from a helicopter, it would have had a beam from it. This was a pure white um spherical object that was um the same color as the moon from what i could see so at this point my wife is working at the royal exchange theater in manchester and i immediately get on the phone to her and she's just left work and i said can you believe what i'm looking at right now and she said is it a really large ball of light that looks like the moon and I said yeah she said I can see it she'd actually seen it from Manchester where she was so I'm thinking that well everybody's seen it everybody must have seen that if my wife's seen it coming out of work and I've seen it again she's my witness to this it'll be all over the news nothing waited the next day looked on the news read the newspapers nothing waited a few days nothing still nothing I still can't find anyone to this day apart from my wife that um, saw that object and the other two objects that I saw. But I put a post on Facebook um, with a picture of the triangular craft that I'd found online that was exactly the same as the one I'd seen. And I put that online and told the story. And a load of people got um, tagged into it and everybody had a very similar story um, spanning back over 20 years in the same area, pretty much. So... Is it a military craft? Is it reverse technology? Is it an alien craft? I don't know, but there's definitely something out there that um, they're not talking about. Hope you enjoyed that. Thank you. Hi, guys. My sighting was back in autumn 2017. There were two of us and we were out at Fairhaven Lake on the Fylde coast near Lytham St Anne's in Lancashire in the northwest of England. Fairhaven Lake is a beautiful area with an amazing view over the Ribble Estuary and the Irish Sea. It's a popular tourist destination but it's also peaceful and a perfect place to relax and have a great view of the night sky in the evening with limited light pollution. We had just completed a CE5 meditation and within minutes, this perfectly round peach coloured orb just appeared above us, like a light had been switched on in the sky. It was very big, maybe double the size of the sun. There was a hue of blue around the top part of it and there seemed to be a slight movement to it. It was very weird. It's difficult to explain, but it was kind of how a water balloon would look if you injected something into it. It stayed there for a minute, maybe two, before blinking out in the same fashion that it had appeared. I looked past where it had been to see if there may have been a smaller object, but there was nothing, just the sky. I've been doing photography for years, and so I do have a bit of an eye for detail. And I wondered if it could have been an earth light, I think they're called. I've seen videos of them and they seem to be jittery or moving, but this was perfectly still, except for the odd movement inside of it. 
Unfortunately, our camera had been pointing out to sea above the horizon and this light was directly above us, on top of us almost, so we couldn't get a photo or video of it. I've been interested in the CE5 meditation aspect of the UFO subject since watching a video of Dr Stephen Greer on YouTube talking about it and watching videos of others doing the meditations and making contact really made me want to try it. I had tried previous attempts before this one but never had any results until this, which totally gobsmacked us. I had a feeling that whatever, or whoever it was, were just saying hi, to acknowledge that they knew what we were doing. I felt this almost on a gut feeling level, rather than actually thinking it. Like I said, we were gobsmacked at how this object just suddenly appeared and then vanished. And I've not seen anything as dramatic as this was before or since. That's my story and I'll keep trying with the meditations and hoping to have a similar response again another day. Hi, so this is uh, Richard from East Yorkshire calling. I've got a uh, UFO experience that I found back in the 80s when I was a young child and it stayed with me for a number of years and I decided that I would uh, you know, start talking about it more as, as I got older because I've had multiple experiences now of seeing things that are somewhat unexplainable. In regards to the particular story, the one with the red light in the sky at the back of the house, the one which involved my dog, it affected myself quite a lot growing up because I couldn't explain it but never really talked about it after, after it happened until later on in my early sort of, um, 20s. And um, the dog being affected by the light in the sky had to have been linked because it went back to being normal dog afterwards. It got off its chair, sat there for about 10 minutes, didn't realise what it was doing. As I looked over, I noticed the dog had been sat there for quite some time because I thought, well, I know, it's been sat there quite a while now. We need to look at it and find out why, why it's doing that. And as we tried to move it, it started to become quite aggressive. It was very stiff, like it was dead. It wasn't able to move um, like it normally would, and it was just growling. At the time, I always thought it was growling because it was growling at um, the light in the sky. I've always thought, I must be growling at that because it doesn't like something. But I wonder if it was growling at me because I was getting in the way of it. But, but ultimately, I look at the dog and think, well, the dog clearly didn't um, have control over itself at that point, so I don't understand why it was doing what it did. But what he was doing was looking at the ceiling and thinking, yep, I need to talk to someone or look at something. And of course, the ceiling was stopping it from seeing the outside world, so clearly you couldn't see what was going on. All it could do was obviously hear something. It couldn't smell anything because it was too far away. couldn't see anything because of the ceiling, so we have to put it down into some kind of frequency. Um, that would be the only thing I could think of. And that's, you know, that's an interesting concept. Uh, you know, if you went back to the 80s when we saw it, a lot of the mainstream people would have thrown it out. But if you were to say that to modern, sort of, uh, not not mainstream, but the people that are willing to put their neck out scientifically and say anything is possible, those people 
would probably say, yeah, that's uh, something the military created back in the 80s and it was being tested, but maybe didn't work very well. Or they might say, yeah, we, we believe that's how these um, unidentified aerial phenomena things are working. And possibly that's how they come across uh, to communicate, because obviously they won't have a language, so they have to they have to use different types of ways of speaking, and maybe they tried it on a dog, or maybe dogs, plural, because they felt that that was, that was a possible um, way of speaking to something. I, d- I do believe that there's a possibility that... Um, the dog was somehow affected, and when it when it went away the light and it wasn't there anymore, the dog went back to normal. So clearly, the dog was interlinked with this with this device, and because what we saw was a big red light in the sky, perfectly circular, not too bright, but just, you know, big light in the sky, random light, just just perfectly circle, like a ten pence piece, but quite large in the sky. We're talking like the moon, the moon sort of size red light, and that's quite. You know, quite frightening when you think, well, how big is the moon in the distance? And then that's how big it was in the sky to give you an idea of scale. So, yeah. It's an interesting interesting question that sort of plagues me. Did the dog, you know, get actively spoken to? Or was it just simply it was reacting to the humming noise that it maybe heard in the sky? Couldn't see the uh, the light because the light was, you know, outside. There's a, there's a ceiling above the dog. It couldn't have smelt it because it was too far away. So it had to have heard something, and something must have picked up on a, on a level that we couldn't hear. When my mum went upstairs and looked out the window, she could see this big red, bright, red light in the sky. And when we all went up and we had a look, you could see it was like a really big 10 pence piece. So, so um, yeah. So I just thought I'd, uh, thought I'd just you know, flag it up, because it's quite interesting, that, that topic. But, no, thank you. Thanks to everybody that shared their accounts of experiences with us they've been massively fascinating to hear the different types of things that people are experiencing so if you'd like to share your account with us if you haven't done already feel free to send us a voice note to our email address contact us on social media or via the website and you may appear on future episode of pursuit of the paranormal podcast Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.